Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My guests today are Josh and Benny Softie. Softie, Softie. Uh, whose new film, Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson and Benny himself, opens this Friday, the 11th, in New York and LA, and that's going to go wider on the 18th, 824s, making sure. It's going to be nice because I think it's going to be a wider, right? You're going to get yeah. a lot more, <laughs> not just us in the big cities, right? Yeah, yeah I know. I'm. I'm, I'm uh... In, I'm inter I'm interested in that. That interests me, of course. I mean, we made a movie that we made a popcorn film. We, you know, you know, you need a lot of theaters to to consume popcorn. I love that movie theaters are in the the theater owners are in the popcorn business. So we made this for those for that business. <laughs> you know, I I missed it because I've been out of town. But this you did this great series at Metrographs. Mm -hmm. Still uh, going. Still going. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see Jackie Brown on Thursday. But I missed a lot of the ones I hadn't seen. Uh, it's, it's films that influenced uh, Good Times, and it, this is this is something I loved that you guys wrote. There's a talking about all the films in this series. Uh, there's a nylon thread running through these films: the hapless plight of the snake-bit fool bouncing through life like a pinball, responding shrewdly to the moment, but having zero say in the future. It's the present tense alone makes the hero holy, and it's utter in his utter impotence in the grand scheme of life that makes him human. Um, that sense of present tense, when you talked about um, After Hours, the great Scorsese film, you, you use the word hyper now. And mm. there's something about your guys' films. Um, there's this energy and this immediacy that's, other people have done it, but it's very unique to what you guys do. And mm -hmm. I, I know some of that's camera and some of that's editing, but I have to imagine a huge part of that is creating an energy on set and in a sense of movement that you're kind of, that's kind of organic, right? Sure. I mean, I feel like the I feel like the 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 vibe of the set. We don't we don't go out of our way to kind of Rob seems to think that we went out of our way to induce chaos and mania into a set. That's just <laughs> what happens with us. I feel like, you know, anyone who's ever lived in New York uh, uh, or visited New York and been on say the local train and uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced you're on the local train and the express train is kind of riding, you know, and then there's those very rare instances where the local train and the express train are going the same speed and they ride up lighter alongside one another, but you know the express is eventually going to take off, but you can look in to the other subway There's like car, that one moment where you make you a can, connection, yeah. You can see the narrative of that train. You can be like, oh, that train looks really depressing or that train actually looks pleasant. It's not so crowded. You're on a crowded train. That one's moving very fast. You make eye contact with someone. Someone gives you the finger. You know, it's like a thing. That's kind of like what we, when we try to make a movie, we like are trying to catch up to the express train with our local train, and then we just get that little moment where we're just kind of looking in, and then with the express train takes off, and that's what you can only thing you can hope for. That's what all of the insane research and character development and and uh, you know work that goes in on our end and the actors' ends. Uh, it's basically. The movie's running to catch up with all this and, work that's already happened, and it and and but it, and just to speak to just the way that the set runs is just well we're very obsessive about figuring out the the kind of maximum minimum amount of people that you can have because the last thing we want is we want somebody to just be sitting there checking their phone you know because mm -hmm. that will that little idleness will breed something in the set that we don't want so. We had to keep actually adding people to the to the crew because we didn't have enough people. We thought we had enough, but we were like, we kind of need one more person to do. What's this. the point of efficiency exactly. where you can move as fast as you want? Exactly, but they're not in the way. Exactly. Right? exactly. So that so you, so when we're on set and everybody everybody's doing something, everybody is constantly doing something. So you have this this feeling of 
like if somebody passes you on the street, they're not looking at you like a film crew. They're looking at you like a construction site. You know, mm -hmm. it's like this. Like we're just I, mean, kinda I think there was like forward. an ant farm quality to yeah. that. There was like all of us were like, okay, there's a piece of Wonder Bread over there. I saw it. It's stale and it's heavy. It weighs about. 25 times the weight of our entire colony. Mm -hmm. But let's all go over there right now and we'll all pick it up and move it back here yeah, so every, we can eat. Everybody just was like working for this, this, everybody was working for it. They were trying to get it done and it, it, everybody felt invested. And if you didn't bring that energy or vibe to it, you couldn't, it would not fit and it would, it would hurt everything. So like everybody had to be, we, you know, everybody had to be in it. So it did, it did, that feeling is there, you know, that, that, energy because I think I have this right essentially you guys do many drafts of scripts you've got there's so many details and things that are so important to you guys in the story beats and stuff <laughs> and then the movement of the actors and the blocking is kind of the freeing experiment stuff on mm -hmm. set and the story is that is it is it that simple where it's like or or is it's there also story so discovery in the process uh, story discovery in which process? In the filming process. Uh, not on this movie. Not as much. This was the most plot-heavy narrative. I mean, this is a very narrative-heavy movie, uh, <clears throat> which was night. Nice. We always wanted to do something we haven't done before, and that was um, that really felt like a new challenge. Like, how do we tell a thriller? In that, that, and the, the, the what we wanted to bring to this is a thriller that actually feels thrilling. Something that feels, you know, when when like. Whenever someone watches a documentary and an element of thrill joins in, joins into it, it's tenfold because you it's happening in real life in a mm -hmm. weird way. So how do we do that with movie stars and you know very very almost absurd scenarios? Because I think that that's where the humor of the movie comes in is sort of the absurdity of it all. Uh, but I think that <clears throat> the the blocking and, and such like a big part of writing for for me is. Uh, basically, it's like a one-man show for yourself, and you're just kind of you're acting it out. You're being, you know, multiple personality. You're writing this dialogue, and you're really the the the, the beauty of, of writing and directing is that you get to uh, basically get ahead on the blocking, so mm -hmm. you know exactly you know how where that's coming from. And then when we shot list, like our shot list, and we don't do storyboarding, we do. Uh, we'll do like, we do shot lists, yeah, but like, we'll do these plans, these maps of the locations but there's, there where is, you see the blocking charted out very specifically. Well, no, there's I, well, I, there's an openness to like we don't have marks for any of the actors, and we don't have. But the blocking is known ahead of, of time. Of course, yeah. but it, but like there is there isn't there isn't a set like because the reason we don't do storyboards is we don't want to lock ourselves into a specific shot you know you want to have some sort of freedom of discovery when you're on the set to give that feeling of of openness you know mm -hmm. that feeling of almost that that thrill and we don't put blocking down for the actress for that very reason because <laughs> we don't want somebody to be constantly looking down at the ground trying to hit their mark you know you want somebody to feel free all the sets are 360 you know we light them 360 and we have them art directed for 360 degrees so it was harder for the focus because they didn't know where anybody was going to go at times because somebody could just decide to go somewhere if they felt like it, you know? We kind of want to have that, give the feeling that you can't do anything wrong, even though we do know what we want. We want the actors and everybody to feel comfortable to do something that they might not have felt comfortable to do before, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, you try to predict the future with, you know, as yeah. best as you can. But it, I, I was like, the, 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 the focus, I was joking with, the, uh, with some of the, somebody yet the other day where, if only we could put a grid on the floor so that they could constantly see where the focus <laughs> is. It's like, 
But like, what if you see the floor? I was like, we barely ever see the floor. Like, our wide shots aren't really the widest. But. And there's also, I don't know, is there times, and I only, I saw the movie a month ago, and I'm gonna see it again this weekend, so I, it's only after one viewing, but maybe, and I'm, maybe I'm also thinking a little bit more of heaven here, but a sense of sometimes, not always, but being a little bit, um, a little bit longer lens, not always wide, and which movement feels more in, intense. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. that is that something? Which, yeah, I mean, no, I think we, 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 yes, not to, to cut you off, but I mean, obviously, heaven knows what, it was a conceptual thing because we we're out in the streets sure. and it was a bystander, you know, uh, concept where we're shooting sometimes a close-up from a block and a half away. Right. This, we didn't do that as much, but we do... You know, we did we did hover in you know the medium length lens a lot. I, I, that's which just is unusual for an independent film that's shooting in locations, in particular interiors yes. and stuff like that, where yes. you tend. Well, to the the big issue we wanted to go longer. <laughs> the issue is the light because yeah. I would always walk in and turn lights off. The gaffers would have everything. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, turn this off. I would just go and turn them off. And so your and depth of field is so exactly. Small. So you can't. And these long lenses are slow lenses. Yeah. So, but we would occasionally you know, light for those, but I, I, I mean, that's, I mean, we did get, the camera did get close in proximity to the actors. That's just the thing that I believe that the movie exists between two people and you can't really ever put the camera between those two people. Mm -hmm. oh, and so, I don't know, and I also, you know, with this movie being a thriller, we've learned what shooting something in long lens can do, the effect of it, uh, when it's in a character study, but, and we could we can sense oh what if we now tie this to you know a genre, and all of a sudden now it becomes completely in sync and you know the average moviegoer can can react to that on a superficial level and you know and also we can do the things that we like which a long lens allows you to you know basically take an X-ray of some yeah. and the energy you can yeah. feel yeah. energy on a smaller level yes. with like the in, in these characters. How <laughs> well, I guess more actually, Rob. Though the sense of a, a twitchy energy, mm -hmm. almost, and you can feel feel that without in in, in a like these moments. Like yeah, these it, it definitely. Yeah, the, by being close up, you really ha it, you have you focus on the smallest things of mm -hmm. somebody's face. You know what they do, and like mm -hmm. do you see the tells of a character, and that becomes a part of the narrative. I'm not sure if this is how you work, but I know. Um, you know, one of your one of your big collaborators is uh, is Ron Brownstein and I Bronstein. Bronstein? Yeah. What? Oh, okay. Um, I should feel like I should know that after Daddy Longlegs, but <laughs> sorry. Uh, the um, the sense was that like he removes himself from filming and then sees all this. You know, he can get all this stuff fresh eyed. Mm -hmm. Is that is that how it worked with this one too? Where it's like he can kind of see what what these moments are and what oh, you yeah. got removed from having. having well, we wrote this together, yeah. uh, and parts of the project of the from the writing were things that he and Benny, like Benny's character, developed together. So he was he was basically providing, you know, he was like there in the kind of for the beginning, the pre-production, and then he was on set a couple of days, and then, yes, of course, he's, you know, we never edit while we shoot, mm -hmm. like, ever. We're gonna, that'll change uh, for timing's sake. But yeah, we usually just accrue all of the footage and then just attack it when the movie's right. over. Or if anything, we'll just have more 
left more money to be able to just focus on editing all day, you know, so we'll be able to just edit faster, you know. In this case, we just... No, we're going to edit while we're shooting yeah. next time. We have to. Yeah, we'll see. I don't no, know. we have I, to. I know we, there's certain things. I just, I don't is, say we'll see. I know, we but actually there, have to. There is a certain... There, what, what is nice about not editing while you're shooting is, is that there of is... Of course, I agree with okay, you. Okay, but there's but no reason... To, I'm just saying what's nice about how we work now. So the, what is interesting about that is, is there is a... It captures a certain energy, you know, that you can approach the editing in a sense of... Uh, with a with a freedom mm -hmm. that uh, that breeds into the movie, so at best you would like to be able to keep that going forward. The other thing about it is is that there is this this sense of energy. There is these things that are created on set, but there's also such a style and a texture that I love about your films. And uh, this is once again shot by uh, Sean Price Williams. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about also in that sense of this film is so dark. And like literally dark, like yeah, like yeah. I mean, like I can't. It's a nighttime I, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also got um, lots of use of color lights, mm -hmm. and so. But there's this element of also like, how does that work in terms of rehearsal with him and the actors, and in terms of that element of you know kind of capturing all of this? Is is he reacting, or is this something where? you have at least some element of rehearsal and he senses the, because the camera movements are, um, you know, it's not always, it's not shaky, but it has like an energy mm -hmm. and it has like a, you know, a whip pan or a yeah. movement there. So I, I think that, you know, yes, we, uh, as the night, as the movie moves on, it dives darker and darker into this kind of more of a wonderland. And that was the concept going in is that, you know, Sean's like, I want the colors to start to come out when he breaks them out of the hospital. And uh, spoiler alert. And, um, but he, but I think that, you know, he would always, we, he never would ask for it, but he would always love a rehearsal. We shoot all of our rehearsals. Um, just, it's a thing that we do. I don't, you know, I don't know why. We don't, even if you can get one little moment out of it, it's, it's worth just it. Just kind it's of brushing the rust off of everybody. Of you know, every scene, take. yeah. But I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I think that he, Sean is, is one of the, uh, greatest operators I know. He can, you know, he's very poetic with, with, because he cut his teeth with Albert Mazels and has, you know, shot a lot and, and he's seen a lot. So I think his instincts are always good. Uh, that said, you know, everything was usually very planned out uh, in terms of where things were. There wasn't much room for improvisation, mm -hmm. maybe a handful of scenes. We would allow it. There was one sequence that takes place on an accessoride where, where we kind of had we used our shot list way more liberally than we did in other scenes. Where I just kind of let Sean. Yeah, we had an hour to do yeah. twenty setups, and 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 uh, Sean was just like, okay, and I just kind of like leaned on him for that, and he just like he's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And we just kind of did it, yeah. and that was really interesting. He would always make fun of us because we've all we have a lot of we always love a lot of inserts. Because they're very important to the, the pacing of a scene or the movement of a scene. But he would always just be like, all right, when we get an insert of this, like, actually, yes, it's a good idea. We need an insert of that. <laughs> and then you guys shot two perf for this, right? Yeah, 35mm two perf, yeah. I don't think people don't do that anymore, right? It's, it's done it's, seldomly. It's I just mean, it's dangerous. A, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous <laughs> thing technically because, yeah, there's. You have no room. There's no frame line. <laughs> so, actually, so, so, so just for our listeners, a 35 millimeter um, aspect know, ratio is, is, is four by three, and yes. it's got four perfs along the side. But if you're going to shoot a widescreen movie like like Good Time, it's essentially you're Getting wasting big. you're wasting a lot. No, of, no, no, you, you get, get two frames. No, no. Per but screen, what I'm saying yes. is, so if you just were to film 
you either have to go um, aspect, you'd either have to go with a, um, an anamorphic yes. or only use part yes. of that frame. And yes, so instead, exactly. you do two. You yes. use two yes. perfs for each It image. was something that the um, Spaghetti Westerns, a lot right. of people did it. It's in a very economic way of shooting uh, 35 millimeter because you your footage that you're shooting actually ends up being the same as your ratio for, or of footage for a 60 millimeter shoot because it's, you're basically Getting taking double, half, yeah. yeah, half of a 35 millimeter frame. But the, uh, you know, there's no frame line in between, so you have crazy light leaks. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a light at the bottom of your frame, it's gonna leak out onto the top of your, of hit, the hit. And you have to you, check your gate every time, because the hit, if there's a hair, it's gonna be in the frame. Yeah. There's no, there's no wiggle room there, because, yeah, literally, there's no the top and bottom of the, what you're looking at is the top and bottom. But of the so what we would have to do is we didn't want that aesthetic in the movie, so we you end up having to punch in a little bit more. So, you know, like five percent I think for every four or five percent for almost every frame you have to just put to and get it, the light leaks. Yeah, away. to get some of the light leaks away. And yeah, but it's 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 cool though. It has a really I saw it for the first time I ever really saw technoscope is what it's called because you're not shooting anamorphic. Mm -hmm. uh, was a movie called uh, In the Moment Moment of Truth, uh, which is a Rossi movie by the about. It's a hybrid movie about the bullfighter Miguelin. It's an amazing movie. That's he just was. It's, he basically shot like a documentary using mm -hmm. CinemaScope. I think it's on Filmstruck. It was actually. just not. It was treating thirty-five millimeter so kind of just lightly in a way. Whereas we look at it like, oh my god, it's thirty-five millimeter. But here was this film that was just treating it with such just as a, like a tool, and it was really beautiful to see. I've heard other filmmakers and cinematographers say this, that, that want to shoot film, is that the, that the, the new 35 millimeter Kodak stocks are so clean mm -hmm. that, and I imagine that's part of what this is, is that you can get a little texture, you can get a, a, little, gr a little grain in there, mm -hmm. which is important, right? For, mm -hmm. by the is that, is yeah, that? I mean, weirdly, like, on, when we tested, uh, cameras on this movie we tested 16 35 and obviously digital for our financiers and the 35 that we tested we actually tested a, f a four perf camera a three perf camera and when i saw the clarity the hyper clarity so of 35 millimeter i was really it was almost psychedelic and then so I w which is obviously the opposite of grain mm -hmm. um because we shot exterior daytime stuff, we actually didn't test the 35. Uh, we tested some indoors, but not in a very low low light scenario. But we wanted, you know, we were always kind of put. We knew that with 35 millimeter, you have it's a stronger grain structure because it's bigger. It doesn't collapse. It doesn't easily. collapse, yeah, you so you can it. push it, and yeah. It, but there was something about yeah. There is even you could look at digital cameras, but even with 35 millimeter, the hyper clarity that you get, like Josh was saying, is nowhere. It's so much greater than certain digital. It's almost like a special effect at some point <laughs> in, this, in this case. And th I think the financial aspect of it is, is um, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's not that much more that it makes it, I, at, it only at a, at a certain budget, yes it is, that, that will make a difference and mm -hmm. you can't shoot on film, but at some point the, the, the difference is, is, isn't as great. And the, the trade-offs that just what you get are, are enormous. And, but see, look, it is every story is dependent on, should you shoot it this way? You have to treat it that. Like, what are you going to shoot it on? Well, 
My under thought of my understanding of your guys' films has has changed a little bit, and with the last two, because I I always thought that this was about a, a, a somewhat of a nostalgia for an old New York, a seventies, eighties. Mm -hmm. Greedy, I know you love those films and mm -hmm. and and that world, and and what I kind of realized with Heaven Knows What, and I, I think it applies to this one though, is is that this is about an underbelly of the city that exists now mm -hmm. and that we just don't see, right? Because mm -hmm. I remember uh, one of the most distinct movie-going experiences I had was that premiere at the New York Film Festival. Mm -hmm. You know, and all these street kids, basically your film was filmed up there on the Upper West yeah. Side, and I've been up there a million times. Mm -hmm. I've never seen, you know, all these kids. Um, living on the streets and this whole world that you captured and then in they come to Lincoln Center and uh, you know which has got it on its opening night which has its own Alice Tully Hall feel and it mm -hmm. felt like so perfect because it was like you guys are like these cinephiles who belong in Lincoln Center but in comes like the outside New York world mm -hmm. and I, I, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is that that element here of there is something both in terms of location in terms of casting and I think Josh, this is you're kind of always out searching and looking and trying to find those mm -hmm. those stories and those people that are kind of like on the outskirts of New York, right? Um, I don't know if I'm searching and finding. I just, just open, you know. Yeah, I think I'm just uh, I don't know uh, walking through life, living life, and and uh, people I come across through whatever circles. I I just have an attraction to a certain type of person, and and uh, I don't know friendship. You know, it's really just, uh, it's really just, uh, it, it, to me, I'm just always a after the now. And uh, uh -huh. there's certain people who embody it really well, and I just want to get very close to them, and, and uh, I want to just revel in it with them. This just popped in my head, but it was like, it just, I somebody stopped me on the street, and it was like a young Jewish guy, and he said, I, I really need your help. And I was like, what is it? And he said, I need you to come into my apartment, and help me turn off a light. I was like, all right, fine. I, I, I did it because he was like, it's Sabbath, he couldn't turn off the light. And I, but I went into his apartment and I went and did it and I was like, why am I going in this guy's house? And I look and there's all the lights on. And I said, which, I said, what are you, I said, you want all, he said, no, don't worry about these. It's the fridge light that I'm worried about. I said, excuse me? He's like, I can't open the fridge because I know that by opening the fridge, I'm going to turn on down that light. And I was like, really? I couldn't believe what he said. It was like this, I said, just pretend that the light's always on. You know, what's the matter? He's like, no, I know that that little switch is getting turned on and off, on and off. And it was this insane kind of window <laughs> into this world. I said, so what do you want me to do? He said, open the fridge and just unscrew the light bulb. And so I opened the fridge, I unscrew the light bulb. He's like, oh, thank you so much. And then I left and clearly I heard them all scream, no. <laughs> so I don't know, something happened where there was something else that, but just being open to the kind of absurdity of some things and the beauty of these like moments just like to be able to walk and just go into somebody's house like that, knowing that like, okay, this is gonna, be, I thought maybe, who knows, you know, I could have gotten robbed in that house. You know what you were going, but I knew you I thought you were getting cruised. I, I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what, I didn't know what was gonna happen, but go for it, you know, just just being open to the, the stuff that throws you. But the fridge thing, the little switch, I was like, this is, what is going yeah. on here? Could you guys make the connection though to also this element of, of working with non-professional actors in that and also the shooting on location is, is that is that something I mean let's start with the actors but I mean is that part of this also uh, yeah you know obviously uh, the the usually with with first-time actors you you know there's two ways you can work with a first-time actor you can uh, 
try to force that person to be somebody who they aren't and if it's their first time that's not the best idea but you know usually casting a first timer who has never even thought about acting before there is an element of documentary in there you know you're you're casting somebody who an audience has no preconceived baggage of they're going to judge them the second they see them just like you judge them the second you saw them and uh, there's a purity to that uh, you know the 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 difference between obviously a professional and a, and a first timer, someone who's acted in many things, is, you know, well, I, it's interesting when you take someone who's acted in many things and you're actually tapping into who they are as a person. Those are usually the more interesting performances. But the you can basically um, work with a year, a lifelong's a life a life of character development with that with a first timer because if you're asking them to play a version of themselves and you're normally casting them for their energy and what they bring to the movie in a on a very textural level mm-hmm. and and that is always going to be very exciting and i believe that 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 star stars are exist you know way outside of the tabloid magazines and stuff that there are people who are are the stars of their own life really i mean we all are the stars of our own life uh you know but there are people, people who are the stars of, of the street you know like they perform all the time yeah performers yeah. of the street but not even beyond just, that like people who are just like there's you know, some yeah. they're reclusive people yeah. who are never outside mm-hmm. and you hang out with them and you're just like this guy's a total star you know like well, you, you can feel it immediately you know when they're not going to have any because it's not easy to play yourself it, you have to have a certain level of confidence in yourself to be able to put it out there mm-hmm. perfectly. And that's another thing that yeah. blends into the locations. Benny likes to call yeah. our, our locations manager a casting director for locations because we, it's a similar thing. You, you, a place that's been shot a million times, like, like the jail that we shot in is an active jail. Uh, but every TV show, everyone shoots there. But no one ever shot at the intake mm-hmm. because it's an active intake, and we're like, this is where we want to shoot. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. It's not like no one said no one shot here before. But the second we got there, I was like, oh, I want to shoot here. And our locations manager is like, well, that, this isn't available. And I was like, yes, it is. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, it's and, always available. Yeah, <laughs> and it ended up happening, you know. And then when we and then we cast all these people. You might not always have a permit for everything. You know, yes. it's, 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 well, uh, sometimes. Well, I mean, that's that's like we don't ever want. You shoot in New York. Part of the beauty of New York is the is the soul of the street and the soul of the city. And if you close it down and try to recreate it, mm. it's never going to be. It's like a photocopy of yeah. a photo. But I do. But when we shot in that jail, in that intake, we cast a lot of people, friends, friends of friends, street casting, uh, going to halfway houses. A lot of people who were recently incarcerated, and a lot of the correctional officers were either recent really retired COs mm-hmm. or like literally the commissioner of jails. Uh, and they brought a bunch of active inmates through to bring them to court, all you know, handcuffed. And we had to stop work, and they walked right through our film set. And some of them knew some of the people who were locked up and were not, who were locked up on screen in our movie. And they looked around, and they couldn't really. I mean, they saw a big 35 millimeter camera with a huge dolly track set up, <laughs> but they still had to say, "It's like, is this a movie? What is this?" And it was like a moment where, like, so one of the CEOs was like. 
yeah, 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 this is well, a movie. Also they're like, what, a documentary? And they're like, no, 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 this is, you know. Don't don't skip over the fact that they're looking over and they actually see, like, the former commissioner of jails is, like, standing there, like, ready for his close-up in the shot. Yeah, the COs <laughs> who are walking through, this guy used to be their boss <laughs> as of two months prior. <laughs> so they're seeing this guy who they used to salute, and now they're seeing him, like, in costume, you know, holding a bag, a bottle of mace. Yeah. It's in, you know, it makes people think, so... Last one here. Um, you know, in terms of that mix of, of, of finding uh, an established actor who is who can blend into this world, mm -hmm. you know, um, Caleb Landry Drones was like such a key part of of the way he kind of absorbed himself into <coughs> this mm -hmm. heaven knows what world. And I, I'm curious because I know that this story ultimately w was written uh, with Robert Patterson in mind. Mm -hmm. What is it in terms of when you meet with someone, and I'm sure you guys have met with many actors, um, that makes you, what was it about him and what is it about some of the actors that you have worked with that you know that they are going to be open to your process and this idea of kind of like absorbing into this world mm -hmm. and kind of leaving a little bit of, I of can't, that? I can't really speak, that's like an intuition. It's like, is this person bullshitting or are they, you know, legit? looking to get deep here mm -hmm. and, and get lost. Uh, you know, I think Rob, when I met him, what, when we met him for the first time, it, what we were interested in is this mania that we saw that I had never really known about. I mean, it's not a public part of who he is. And also another part that was really kind of um, exposing was this element of that he had this like Vietnam War vet quality to him. Like he had been through something very traumatic and he like is constantly like if you put duct tape on a cat and they walk you know wherever the mm -hmm. duck they think they're up against a wall he kind of walks like that you know he thinks that everyone's watching and like you know he has this on the run quality to him and that was like okay well we could definitely work with that and work that and into it, the character yeah, and i think you're right about the intuition it's like when he if you there's a lot of people coming like, oh i want to do this i want to do this and then they don't actually want to do it, but we kind of got the feeling that he definitely wanted to do it, you know, and that mm -hmm. he wanted to put himself through the through the ringer. I mean, there's, I, there's, I, an I, element, there's an element of like, are we going to get a little of that uh, that that street cred on us from doing this movie? And they like the idea of doing it versus yes. do they actually it, want? Yes. yes. Well, yeah. I let him know. Like, <laughs> I was very vocal about the depths of which Caleb went to to do heaven knows what, and he was aware. Caleb is like an act. Like a lot of actors are very aware of what he's doing, and that was a very, um, yeah. He was very curious. Rob was very curious to know what Caleb's approach was. Just that he was, he, that's just because he wanted to. But I think you know, I think Rob knew like this isn't. We told him all, from the get go. I was like, listen, we're going to agree to do a movie right now. We're gonna. I'm letting you know we're going to leave here, and in six weeks we're going to be like getting ready to make this movie in a way. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to make. I don't talk. I walk. You know. So I I really. It was, it was, he was very clear like, to him, like, okay, I need to really commit to this. And he was very cool. Like, he told his agents, his managers, like, don't counter. Just take the offers. Just, I'm doing this movie. I don't want to hear anything. You can't slow it up in any way. So he was very, very committed. And you, you know, we met, we met a lot of actors now, luckily. And, and, um, you know, some of the, I think some of the, the, you know, like our first movie, Daddy Longlegs, you know, I think people saw that. We took, you know, we worked with Ronald Bronstein and 
here's a guy who had never acted in anything before, and then he's being nominated for a Spirit Award and winning a Gotham Award, and you know, and up against these people who've acted in hundreds of movies. And I think with Ariel with um, Heaven too. Exactly. I mean, I think people see that and they're like, huh, I wonder what they could do with the, <laughs> with a veteran actor. So, right. yeah. yeah, we we have to finish this up. Um, this is a fantastic movie, and oh, I'm really excited because so I, I think I, I think. Uh, we're going to get a lot of people to see this outside of just you know, I know. there's such a there's so much love for you guys here and then like kind of gotta get out of the echo chamber always yeah, but uh, it'll be nice anyways it was nice to finally meet you guys yes. in person yes, thank you Definitely. take care guys take care